What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Hello, you beautiful people. Hello, you beautiful people. Welcome back to it. Welcome back to it. Show where I talk about what? Show where I talk about what? This is a tasty burger. Tasty burger. Tasty burger. Buenos dias, all you beautiful people. Welcome back to whatever, the show where I talk about whatever. My name is Cameron, and I am not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. And yo, I'm just slept my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot to take this opportunity to dedicate this whole episode to one of my favorite musicals of all time, Hamilton. Now, if you don't know what Hamilton is, like if you've been under a rock for the past year, Hamilton is a really popular musical based off of the life of founding father Alexander Hamilton. And I'm going to go more into it in this episode. And also in this episode, I'm going to feature uh, a buddy of mine who I met through my love of Hamilton. I actually met him through uh, Smule. Uh, by the name of Devante, and I will put links to his stuff in the description so that you can check his stuff out too. But yeah, I'm going to go over everything that I can about Hamilton in this episode, so stay tuned for all that. All right, Hamilton. Now, like I said, if you don't know what Hamilton is, I'm just going to give you a brief summary of what it is with the help of Wikipedia. <laughs> Hamilton, an American musical, is a sun and wrapped through musical by Lin Manuel Miranda. Now, if you don't know who Lin Manuel Miranda is, he's worked on a lot of stuff. He's done acting, he's done, you know, singing, producing, uh, songwriting, playwright, obviously, to zero. It helped, right? Hamilton. Uh, he did, he wrote some songs for uh, Moana. Like, he's responsible for, like, How Far I'll Go. And he's actually featured on a song. I forget the name of the song, but it's a, uh, it's the one where she goes out to, or it's like a flashback to everybody on the island traveling to this forbidden island. And I forget the name of the song, but yeah, basically, he wrote a lot of the stuff for Moana. Uh, he was in Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, if you're a fan, if you're a fan of the show Brooklyn Nine Nine, there was one episode where he played one of the uh, Amy Santiago's brother. Uh, did I say Mary Poppins Returns? Yeah, I did. If you're a fan of the show His Dark Materials, he plays the character Lee Storsby. But yeah, Limo, he's just he's a master. He's just he's amazing. Like it's just he's so goddamn talented. <laughs> Uh, yeah, back to Hamilton. It was written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. It tell, Hamilton tells the story of American founded father Alexander Hamilton. Miranda said he was inspired to write the musical after reading the 2004 biography Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow. The show draws heavily from hip-hop as well as R&B, pop, soul, and traditional style show tunes. It casts non-white actors as the founding fathers and other historical figures. Miranda described Hamilton as about America then, as told by America now. So that's his biggest. That's the biggest thing about Hamilton. Like he wanted to tell the story of Hamilton, but didn't want to just whitewash the whole cast. Like he wanted, he wanted actors from all over the place. That's why you see so many different races and you know genders and whatnot. You see so many different people playing, you know, being in Hamilton, and I think that's why it's such a hit especially with the LGBT community because it's just, it's so there's just that tone of inclusiveness as far as like the the cast and the acting. Uh, from its opening, Hamilton received critical acclaim. It premiered off-Broadway on February 17th, 2015 at the Public Theater with Miranda playing the role of Alexander Hamilton where its several-month engagement was sold out. The musical won eight Drama Desk Awards, including Outstanding Musical. It then transferred to the Richard Rogers Theatre on Broadway, opening on August 6th, 2015, where it received uniformly positive reviews and high box office sales. At the, seven, at the 70th Tony Awards, Hamilton received a record-breaking 16 nominations and won 11 awards, including Best Musical, it received the 2016 Pulitzer Prize for Drama. A filmed version of the Broadway production was released in 2020 on Disney+. So yeah, that's how most people know of Hamilton now, because early uh, 
early in 2020, they released, you know, the filmed version of it on Disney Plus, which is honestly where I first saw because my whole thing with Hamilton, like I was aware of it since 2015, like I was aware of its presence and <laughs> the funny thing is uh the one time I actually heard a song from Hamilton, it wasn't actually from Hamilton. It was a parody of the opening number Alexander Hamilton and it was from the YouTube channel Team Four Star, who does a lot of uh, abridged series of animes, like they do, like Dragon Ball Z abridged, uh, UDL abridged. Uh, the one me and a friend of mine really love is Helsing Ultimate abridged. And at the end of their series, they uh, they did a parody of Alexander Hamilton, but based off of the uh, the character Alexander Anderson. So that's <laughs> that's really the first my first experience with. Hamilton, and then as soon as it premiered on Disney Plus, is uh, when I was like, "All right, cool." Like, since I heard it was gonna be on Disney Plus, and I'm like, "All right, cool." I've been hearing about this a lot. A lot of people swear about this musical. I'll finally watch it. And then I sat down to watch it. And I'm like, "Oh my god, I see why so many people are excited about it. This is this is really good." And I was obsessed with it for pretty much all of 2020. Like that's that's one of the things that really got me through quarantine. That got me through the worst part of the pandemic. <laughs> uh, where was I? The Chicago production of Hamilton began preview performances at the CIBC Theater in September 2016 and opened the following month. The West End production opened at the Victoria Palace Theater in London on December 21st, 2017, following previews from December 6th and winning seven Oliver Awards in 2018, including Best New Musical. The first U.S. national tour began in March 2017. A second U.S. tour opened in February 2018. Hamilton's third U.S. tour began January 11, 2019 with a three-week engagement in Puerto Rico in which Miranda returned to the role of Hamilton. Yeah, so... uh, Actually, I'm going to go back to this because obviously the cast has changed a lot through uh, different performances and different productions. Like there's a whole entire different cast than what you saw on Disney plus, but the actors, the people you see in the Disney plus version, those are the, that's the original Broadway cast. Like that's the original like people that started the show and the original people that toured it. Like, like I said, they changed around so many people. I don't remember if anybody, if anybody in this cast is still going with it, but just to list off uh, the cast real quick, we got uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda as Alexander Hamilton, uh, David Diggs as both Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, uh, Jonathan Groff, who you may know from Frozen, because he's uh, he's Kristoff. Jonathan Groff is the original King George the Third. Leslie Odom Jr is Aaron Burr. Anthony Ramos is both John Lawrence and uh, Philip Hamilton. Ariana DeBose is a member of the ensemble, and I think she's the... Is she the one that they named the Bullet? I think so, yeah. So, with Ariana DeBose, I mean, she's part of the ensemble, but she's not one of the main characters. The ensemble, which, if you don't know, theater, the ensemble is like everybody else that's on stage that sings, you know, parts of the song. Um, but in Ariana DeBose's case, people, especially, you know, fans of the show, have nicknamed her The Bullet, because she or they nicknamed her, like, the the Harbinger of Death, because her, her performance, like, the way they have her perform, she's always, like, with a character, she always interacts with one of the main, like, with a character just before they die. Like, during, uh, during the song Yorktown, she, uh, she's one of the soldiers, and she does a handshake with John Lawrence, and almost immediately in the next song, or, like, the next song or two, John Lawrence dies. Uh, there's, and then she's, she's present, she, because, when she performs, like there's a song, there's a song with like a bullet or whatever, or there's a couple songs where a bullet's going in like slow motion or whatever, and she's up there, you know, with her fingers pinched like she has a bullet and showing it traveling. So she's really important to you know the the atmosphere. But getting on to the rest of this cast, 
Uh, we got Philippa Sue as Eliza Hamilton, Renee Elise Goldsberry as Angela Styler, uh, Okarit Anau Duan. I really don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, he's both Hercules Mulligan and James Madison. Uh, Christopher Jackson is George Washington, and Christopher Jackson, he's just, ah, his voice is amazing. Jasmine Safis Jones is both Peggy Styler and Mariah Reynolds. Uh, Sidney James is both part of the ensemble, and he's James Reynolds. Thane Jasperson is, again, part of the ensemble, and also Samuel Seabury. John Rua is both ensemble and Charles Lee. We got Ephraim Sykes as ensemble and George Eater. And then the rest of here, you got Carly Betiol, Sasha Hudgens, and Hope Esther Burke as part of the ensemble. So yeah, and a lot of these actors went on to do like a lot of things. Like I mentioned before, Jonathan Groff has gone on to do a lot of stuff. He's, you know, really popular for Frozen. Uh Lin-Manuel Miranda obviously he's done like everything under the fucking sun uh, David Diggs he's done a lot to, he's done a lot too um, what's the show he's in I think I think it's Snowpiercer I think he's in that yeah uh, Leslie Odom Jr. he has quite quite an expensive uh, solo music career like I have one of his Christmas albums saved and it's just it's it's really good uh, Anthony Ramos he um, he was actually a voice of one of the trolls in the new troll movie. He was like the DJ troll. And he's going to be the main character in the film adaptation of In the Heights, which is another musical uh, done by Limo Miranda. Where, yeah, Anthony Ramos is going to be the main character. So... I'm going to close those because I don't need all that now. So, shall we go? Shall we go through the synopsis? Yes, yes, we shall. So, Act 1. The orphan, Alexander Hamilton, experiences a hard early life and through his smarts leaves his home, the island of Nevis. In New York in 1776, Hamilton meets Aaron Burr, John Lawrence, Marquis de Lafayette, and Hercules Mulligan during the Sean. Aaron Burr, sir. Now, the opening number is Alexander Hamilton. And he, Alexander Hamilton, impresses them with his rhetorical skills, which you know, goes into the song by shot. The latter three and Hamilton affirm the revolutionary goals to each other, while Burr remains apprehensive through the song, The Story of Tonight. Later, the daughters of the wealthy Philip Styler, Angelica, Eliza, and Petty, go into town and share their opinion on the upcoming revolution, which gives us a song, The Stylish Sisters. It is at this time that Samuel Seabury warns everyone about the dangers of Congress while Hamilton disagrees and counters Seabury, the song Farmer Refuted, until King George III insists on his authority, his authority during the song You'll Be Back. During the New York and New Jersey campaign, Hamilton accepts a position as George Washington's aide-de-camp despite lawning for field command during the song Right Hand Man. At a ball hosted by Philip Styler, Winter's Ball, Eliza falls hopelessly in love with Hamilton, who reciprocates her feelings to the point of marriage helpless. As Angelica suppresses, suppresses her own feelings for the sake of their happiness during the song, Satisfied. After the wedding, Burr and Hamilton congratulate each other's success, story of tonight reprise. While Burr reflects on Hamilton's swift rise while considering his own more cautious career, wait for it. Wait for it is like one, probably one of my top favorite songs from this whole series because it's just it's just Lizzie Odom Jr. just going for it, just going at it. Um, should I put a clip? Nah. Uh, let's continue. As conditions worsen for the Continental Army during the song "Stay Alive." Hamilton aids Lawrence in a duel against Charles Lee, who had insulted Washington, the son, ten dual commandments. Lawrence injures Lee, who yields, while Hamilton is temporarily suspended by Washington over the duel and his sent in is sent home during the song Meet Me Inside. There, Eliza reveals that she is pregnant with her first child, Philip, 
and asked Hamilton to slow down and take in what has happened in their lives, the psalm that would be enough. After Lafayette persuades France to get involved on the colonist side, he urges Washington to call Hamilton back to help him plan the final battle of Yorktown, Washington agrees, during the song Guns and Ships, but explains to Hamilton, who is convinced he should die a martyr and a hero in war, that he should be careful with his actions because whatever he does will be known for ages to come. During the song, history has its eyes on you. At the Battle of Yorktown, Hamilton meets up with Lafayette to take down the British, revealing that Mulligan was recruited was recruited as a spy, helping them figure out how to trap the British and win the war, which gives us the song Yorktown, the world turned upside down, which I did a smealcast of just last week, I believe. Soon after the victory at Yorktown, King George asks the newborn America how it will succeed on its own with the song What Comes Next. While Lafayette returns to France with plans to inspire his people to have their own revolution, which obviously if you read history books we know how that turns out. (laughs) Hamilton's son Philip is born, while Burr has a daughter, Theodosia, and the the two tell their children how they will do anything to protect them, dear Theodosia, which... I really love that song. It's one of my top favorites. And I will include that song. The uh, did, I did a duet with uh, Devante on that song, which I will include at the end of this episode. Hamilton receives word that his longtime friend, John Lawrence, has been killed in a seemingly pointless battle after the war was won and throws himself into his work, which will lead to Tomorrow There'll Be More of Us, or as people like to call it, the Lawrence Interlude. He co-authors the Federalist Papers and is selected as Secretary of the Treasury by newly elected President Washington amidst Eliza begging Hamilton to stay and Angelica moving to London with her new husband during the song Nonstop. Now, Nonstop is one of the longest songs in the show and it leads us right into Act 2. Like, the end of it just, just goes boom! And then, Act 2. So, we'll start off with Act 2. Thomas Jefferson returns to America from being the U.S. ambassador to France, taking up his newfound position as Secretary of State with friend and fellow cabinet member James Madison during the song What Did I Miss? Now, this is a really fun song to watch. His David Ditch just, he just goes hard. He's, just, he's having a good time. <laughs> In 1789, Jefferson and Hamilton debate Hamilton's financial proposals at a cabinet meeting. Washington tells Hamilton to figure out a compromise to win over Congress during the song Cabinet Battle 1. Eliza and her family, along with Angelica, back from London, travel upstate during the summer, while Hamilton stays home to work on the compromise, which, you know, they explain in the song, take a break. Hamilton begins an affair with Mariah Reynolds, making him vulnerable to her husband's blackmail during the song Say No to This. Now, a little more context in that. Basically, Hamilton's, you know, really into his work. Like he's gotta he's gotta get this thing to Congress, and he's so stressed out from work that one night uh, Mariah Reynolds knocks on his door and asks for his help. And he, you know, Hamilton being the good guy that he is, offers to help her. But then when they get back to her place, she basically seduces him. And Hamilton, being so stressed out with everything, uh, decides to you know have sex with this woman. And now he's having this affair. And uh, Mariah, Mariah Reynolds' husband, James Reynolds, finds out about it. And was basically like, hey, you know, you can keep sleeping with my wife as long as you give me money. Uh, Hamilton, Jefferson, and Madison create the Compromise of 1790 over a private dinner, exchanging Hamilton's financial plan for placing the country's permanent capital on the Potomac River. Burr is envious of Hamilton's sway in the government and wishes he had similar power, which gives us the brilliant song, The Rumor It Happens. Again, another song where Leslie Odom Jr. just went hard. Burr switches political parties and defeats Philip Stallard, making Hamilton now a rival during the song Stallard Defeated. In another cabinet meeting, Jefferson and Hamilton argue over whether the United States should assist France in its conflict with Britain, which obviously, you know, <laughs> was like I mentioned before with the French Revolution. 
President Washington ultimately agrees with Hamilton's argument for remaining neutral, which gives us a song, Cabinet Battle 2. In the wake of this, Jefferson, Madison, and Burr decide to join forces to find a way to discredit Hamilton during the song, Washington on your side. Washington decides to retire from the presidency, and Hamilton assists in writing a farewell address during the song, One Last Time. One Last Time is a brilliant song because... I mentioned with the other songs about Leslie Odom Jr. just going hard. In this one, especially towards the end, Christopher Jackson just goes all out. Like, he's just, oh my god, he's amazing in it. A flabbergasted King George receives word that George Washington has stepped down and will be replaced by Paris signatory John Adams during the song I Know Him. (laughs) Now, this one I love because he, uh, yeah, just King George comes on, just kind of does his thing, and he learns about John Adams. (laughs) One of my favorite lines is, like, like, John Adams, and he's like, I know him, that can't be, that's that little guy who spoke to me all those years ago what was it 85 that poor man they're going to eat him alive oceans rise empires fall next to washington the old small all alone watch them run they will tear each other into pieces jesus christ this will be fun da 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 President John Adams. Good luck. <laughs> just that whole thing. That's just that's why it's my favorite song. Uh shit, I lost my place. <clears throat> oh, here we go. Adams becomes the second president and fires Hamilton, who, in response, publishes an inflammatory critique of the new president, which gives us the Adams administration. Now, I want to sidetrack from Adams administration. There's actually a cut version of that that uh, Lynn manuel Miranda didn't throw into the, the regular uh, musical, but I think he does it kind of off off-Broadway. But there's a whole... There's a whole, like, rap that Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote for the Adams administration, but they shortened it for the, the stage performance. But there's a whole thing where just Hamilton just rips into John Adams, but... And it's censored in the uh, Disney version. I don't know if it's censored just in a normal stage performance, but he ends the stage performance... And, Adams administration, well, Hamilton ends his part with saying, Sit down, John, you fat motherfucker! <laughs> Jefferson, Madison, and Burr confront Hamilton about James Reynolds' blackmail, accusing him of embezzlement of government funds, which forces Hamilton to reveal his affair with Mariah during the song, We Know. Which, basically, it's, yeah, it's who's... Jefferson, Madison, and Burr going to Hamilton and be like, hey, you know, you, you you use government money to pay this guy. You know, what gives? You know, we're going to get you in prison. And Hamilton's like, yeah, well, this is what I did. I slept with another woman. I cheated on my wife, but I paid her husband with my own money. I didn't use government funds. So you can get me for cheating and adultery, but you cannot get me for embezzlement. So fuck y'all. <laughs> Out of fear that the affair will be used against him in his political career, Hamilton chooses to publicize his affair during the Sun Hurricane in the Reynolds pamphlet, causing an uproar in his political position, the Reynolds pamphlet, and damaging his relationship with Eliza, who, in a heartbroken re- retaliation, burns all the letters Hamilton wrote her, trying to erase herself from history during the Sun Burn. So, let's unpack a few things here. Basically, the whole thing about hurricane is that he's afraid that Jefferson, Madison, and Burr are gonna come out and tell everyone that he was embezzling funds. So basically during this on hurricane, he kind of realizes that you know, I don't want to damage my career by being accused of embezzlement. I would rather people know that I had an affair, so that way that doesn't affect my political position. And he ended 
oh, in turn, writes the Reynolds pamphlet, which basically is a whole list. And you can actually look all you can actually look this up. Like it's a you know it's a legit thing. Like he actually wrote the Reynolds pamphlet. This is all pretty much. This is all pretty accurate. But the Reynolds pamphlet basically explains like how how you know explains this whole affair that Hamilton had and explains that explains you know how he used his own money to pay Mariah Reynolds' husband pay off James Reynolds uh, and the song Burn yeah it's obviously because I don't think we see in history books how Eliza Hamilton reacted to his affair but of course Lin-Manuel Miranda took it upon himself to put it into the play and you know show everyone just you know how heartbroken she probably was and the whole song burn is basically eliza just finding out finding out the news about the affair and just being devastated and just burning every love letter and everything that hamilton sent her because she's just like yeah you know you're worthless to me now like how could you like this is betrayal after graduating college, Philip attempts to defend his father's honor in a duel with George Eager during the song Blow, Blow Us All Away, but is fatally shot during the song Stay Alive Reprise, causing a reconciliation between Alexander and Eliza during the song It's Quiet Uptown. So yeah, Philip is out there like, hey, you talk shit about my dad, let's duel. And uh, George Eager is like, you know, fine, but let's just do it later. I'm not up for it right now. And basically, he goes to Alexander Hamilton, and Philip is like, Dad, you know, this dad talks shit about you. You know, what should I do? And Hamilton, or Alexander, tells his son, like, you know, take these guns, but when you go to duel, after you get to 10, you know, after you do your 10 paces a turn, point your gun at the sky, because then if he shoots you, he's, you know, guilty of murder, which is what happened. You know, Philip and George Eater both had the the duel. They did their ten paces. Philip raised his gun to the sky, where whereas George, no, actually they didn't get to ten. Now that I remember, they got to seven, I think. But Philip already had his had his gun pointed towards the sky, and George Eater just killed him. So George Eater was then you know guilty of murder because that's the thing in uh, duels back then. Obviously, you did your ten paces, turn, fire. But if one person had like their weapon in the air or just like refused to shoot, then it's you know you can't you can't morally shoot the other guy. You can't the other person can't then shoot you without being you know convicted of being a murderer. Because basically, if you put your weapon up, that's like you know that's you calling it off. Uh, let's get back to where was I? Hamilton's endorsement of Jefferson in the 1800 election during the song, the election of 1800, results in further animosity between Hamilton and Burr, who challenges Hamilton to a duel via an exchange of letters, your obedient servant. Hamilton writes his last letter in a rush while Eliza tells him to go back to bed during the song Best of Wives and Best of Women. Now, yeah, with the song Your Obedient Servant, that's basically Hamilton and Burr going back and forth just talking to shit to each other until finally Burr is just like alright you know let's duel let's you know let's settle this uh, Burr and Hamilton travel to New Jersey for the duel Burr reflects on the moments leading up to the duel stating that one of them will have to die Burr and Hamilton walked the requis- requi- requi- requisite 10 paces Jesus Christ with Burr firing first, and time freezes as Hamilton reflects on his legacy before throwing away his shot. So, Alexander pointed his gun up towards the sky, too. Burr shoots him between the ribs, and Hamilton eventually dies, mourned upon by Eliza, Angelica, and the rest of the cast. Burr laments that though he survived, he is cursed to be remembered as the villain who killed Hamilton during the song The World Was Wide Enough. The musical closes with a reflection on historical memory. Jefferson and Madison reflect on Hamilton's legacy as Eliza tells how she keeps Hamilton's legacy alive through interviewing war veterans, getting help from Angelica, raising funds for the Washington Monument, speaking out against slavery, and establishing the first private orphanage in New York City during the song Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells Your Story. As the musical ends, Eliza looks in the direction of the audience and lets out a tearful gasp. Now, 
I'm running a little bit short on time, so I'm going to take a little break quick. But afterwards, I'm going to explain what that gasp is. So be right back. Now, I legitly wanted to talk about the guest thing after the break one because I was really running short on recording time because Andrew only lets me do half an hour at a time. But I wanted to go into the guest a little bit and it was going to take a lot longer than the time I left. So I just had to get some water first and let's talk. So, yeah, at the very end of the musical... Uh, as Eliza, you know, everybody else is sending their notes, Eliza watches the front of the stage, looks out towards the audience, and lets out a gasp. Now, the gasp means something different for each actress who plays Eliza. Uh, I think Philippa Sue, the original Eliza Hamilton, said that even, you know, she doesn't give a specific answer. She's just like, well, it's up for the audience to interpret. And I've seen two interpretations of the gasp. It's either Eliza Hamilton in her final moments, like in her final days, finally uh, seeing Alexander in heaven and, you know, walking towards the light. That's her dying. Or since the whole song is about Eliza, you know, continuing on Alexander Hamilton's legacy and just doing all this stuff. It's and the song itself is called Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells Your Story. A lot of people interpret it as Eliza kind of breaking the fourth wall, that the actress breaking the fourth wall and looking out towards the audience and be like, oh, you all are telling our story. It's all of all of you, all of you watching the play, all of you, you know, watching it on Disney Plus. It's all of you who are going to tell my story. We're going to tell our story. And I actually, I actually really love that interpretation a lot more because it's a lot more meaningful. It's just like, yeah, you know, who lives, who dies, who tells your story? Like, basically, it's the whole song is about, you know, like, when you're gone. Like, there's a line in the song. Uh, when you're gone, who remembers your name? Who keeps your flame? Who tells your story? Like, it's just, that really hit hard. Because it's like, you know, that's why you, that's why I firmly believe, you know, you got to try to make life as more, like, you got to try to, like, obviously, you're not going to please everybody, but you got to make you gotta make a you know pretty good impact on the world because you know you want people to remember you for the good you did you want remember to you want people to remember the good stuff you did in life and you know just you know who tells your story when you're gone uh i'm gonna there's something i want to sidetrack of real quick uh there is a some, there's a whole album of stuff based off of Hamilton that Lynn Manuel Miranda also helped you know write and produce and did songs for. Uh, excuse me, uh, I highly recommend because it's actually a really good album. It's called the Hamilton Mixtape and it came out in 2016. Now a lot of it is uh, a lot of it is just remixes of some of the songs, but and then some of them are actually there's some cut songs in there there's some total like original songs based off of the musical and yeah like i said there's a lot of like remixes like just going through the track listing there is uh, no john trumbull intro by the roots written by lin-manuel miranda uh my shot rise up remix the roots featuring busta rhymes joel ortiz and nate nate rice reese sure uh, the original song, Wrote My Way Out, by Nas, Dave East, Lynn manuel Miranda, and Aloe Black. Uh, Wait For It, as done by Usher. An open letter interlude, done by Watsky, featuring Shockwave, which that's basically his own version of the cut, the cut rap from Adam's administration. Uh, Dear Thea, or no, Satisfied, by Sia, featuring Miguel and Queen Latifah. Dear Theodosia by Regina Spector and Ben Folds. Valley Forge Demo by Lynn Mella Miranda. Now that's just a, I think that's an original thing before uh, that kind of fit into Right Hand Man. Uh, it's Quiet Uptown by Kelly Clarkson. That would be enough, Alicia Keys. 
uh, one of my favorite, one of my personal favorites on the album, Immigrants, parentheses, We Get the Job Done, by Knan, Snow the Product, Riz MC, and Residente. Uh, You'll Be Back by Jimmy Fallon and the Roots. Helpless by Ashanti and Ja Rule. Tater Break Interlude by Illmind, which is basically a remix of Tater Break, of parts from Tater Break. Uh, say yes to this by Jill Scott, which is basically it's basically saying an instrumental of say no to this with the ensemble parts, but Jill Scott kind of does her own thing over it. Congratulations by Dessa, which is another, which is their uh their own version of Congratulations, which is a cut song from the original play. Now, Congratulations was a song that was going to be sung by that was going to be done by Angelica. After she, after Angelica found out about Alexander's affair, you know Alexander cheating on Eliza, there was a whole song uh, Angelica was gonna do called "Congratulations." It was basically saying like, "Hey, you piece of shit, you messed with the wrong sister." Uh, "Burn" by Andre Day, "Stay Alive" interlude by J. Period and Stro Elliott. Cabinet Battle 3 demo by Lynn manuel Miranda. Now, this is just an additional Cabinet Battle about uh, Hamilton and Jefferson going back and forth on uh, this whole, like, on freeing the slaves. Washington's By Your Side by Wiz Khalifa. That one's not really my personal favorite. It's just, I don't know. I've never, I was never a Wiz Khalifa fan. History Has Its Eyes on You by John Legend, which is basically the same. History Has Its Eyes on You, but it's very jazzy very john legend john legend who tells your story by the roots featuring common and ingrid michelson and dear theodosia reprise by chance the rapper and francis and miranda the lights it's it's a really good album it's a definitely a good remix of all the different hamilton songs uh ooh, here's a good here's a good uh Here's a good part of this Wikipedia article under public announcements. In a tweet posted about a month before the Mitch tapes release, Lynn manuel Miranda implied that the album released on December 2nd would only be the first volume, hinting at a volume 2 to be released later. However, about a year later, Miranda admitted he was having trouble compiling a second album that satisfied him as much as the first Mitch tape and canceled the second volume announcing that instead he would be releasing 13 tracks once a month over the following year. He referred to these releases as Hamill Drops. Ben Franklin's song. On December 14th, 2017, the same day as announcing the Hamill Drops, Miranda announced that the first release would be Ben Franklin's song by The Decemberists. The song's lyrics are taken from lyrics to an unused Hamilton song that Miranda had written with the band in mind. The finished track had lyrics written by Miranda and music written by the Decemberist frontman Colin Malloy. The song was released the following day and was received warmly by fans and historians alike. Ben Franklin's song peaked at number 15 on the U.S. Hot Rock Songs chart. That song I have to check out. I haven't heard that one. (laughs) On March 2nd, 2018, referred to as February 30th by Miranda, a polka medley of songs from the musical recorded and arranged by Weird Al Yankovic was released. The Hamilton polka peaked at number one on the U.S. comedy digital track sales. The Hamilton polka is a goddamn masterpiece. Yeah, so basically Weird Al did a whole polka medley of a bunch of songs from Hamilton. Found slash Tonight. On March 19th, 2018... Miranda released a mashup of the songs Story of Tonight from Hamilton and You Will Be Found from the musical Dear Evan Hansen, sung as a duet with Ben Platt. A portion of the proceeds are being donated in support of the March for Our Lives initiative. Yeah, excuse me. The following weekend, Miranda and Platt performed the song together along with frequent Miranda collaborator Alex Lackamore, who had also orchestrated both shows. At the March for Our Lives rally in Washington, D.C. on March 24th, Found Slash Tonight peaked at number 49 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. First Burn. On April 30th, 2018, Miranda released a preliminary version of the song Burn, performed by five sinners who were currently playing or had previously played the role of Eliza, Ariana Afsar, 
Julia Harriman, Letsy Lawson, Rochelle Ago, and Shoba Narayan. First burn peaked at number two on the U.S. digital song sales chart. Uh, anything else? Ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo. now here's here's a really good song that's based off of uh, based off of Hamilton. On December twenty first, twenty eighteen, one last time, forty four remix was released as the final Hamill drop. It is a remix of one last time, featuring vocals from original Broadway cast member Christopher Jackson, Baby Winans and the 44th President of the United States, Barack Obama. The remix peaked at number 38 on the Digital Song Sales chart and number 22 on the Hot R&B Songs chart. Now, this one I love, because it's basically a different remix of One Last Time, but if you know the song One Last Time from the musical, there's that whole part where they're reading off uh, George Washington's resignation letter, and it's it's a legit... uh, resignation letter you can actually look it up just look up george washington resignation letter and the 44 remits why they call it the 44 remits is because that whole part of that george washington george washington part is read by barack obama and it's just it's glorious like the first time i was not expecting it at first because i just saw obama and i was like huh really like is obama doing this thing and also they got on there and he was just like uh forget how it goes but he was just like, ah, why, why am I blanking on how it goes? Yeah. Washington's going home. Teach him one last time. He's like, ah, uh, in the, in the years of my service, I've, uh, I've made uh, many errors. I was like, oh my God, it's Obama. <laughs> but yeah, Hamilton Mitch safe. Definitely check it out. And check out those other songs too. Uh, the next thing I want to get into before I get into actually before before I get to historical accuracy, I'm gonna go to the song thing. Now, obviously, I don't want to feature the actual songs because I have fair copyright, but I'm gonna throw it. I mean, I'm gonna throw in a whole song at the end of this, but it's not specifically from the musical. But as of right now, at this moment, I want to take some time to feature. The guy I was going to say, I was going to feature on this episode, Devontae Bell. Now, we have done a bunch of different uh, Hamilton songs on here, and I just want to give you a quick sampling of some of the stuff we've done. So, here it is. Corrupts is such an old song that we just sing it loud in harmony And no one is stronger than an Albany This colony's economy's increasingly stolen And honestly, that's why public He's service needs to be tolerated I practiced the law, I practically perfected it yeah. I've seen injustice in the world and I've corrected it what? Now for a strong central democracy If not, then I'll be Socrates Throwing verbal brats to these mediocrities Hamilton at the Constitutional Convention I was chosen for the Constitutional Convention There as a New York junior delegate Now what I'm gonna say May sound indelicate. Uh, goes and proposes his own form of government. What? His own plan for a new form of government. What? Talks for six hours. The convention is listless. Bright young man. Yo, who the f is this? I'm not throwing away my yeah, shot. Son, we are out gun down, man. Yeah. All the hope you can get. I have some friends. Lawrence Morgan, Marquis de Lafayette. Okay, yeah. what else? Outnumbered, outplayed. Need some spies on the inside. Some kingsmen, the mallets of things. Let's go. I break the Congress and tell them we need some. You rally the guys, master the element of surprise. Check a bone. I rise above my station, organize the information till we rise to the occasion Whoa. of a new nation. Careful how you proceed, good man. Interpret indeed, good man. Answer for the accusations, I lay at your feet. Or prepare to bleed, good man. No, your grievance is legitimate. I stand by what I said, every bit of it. You stand only for yourself, it's what you do. I can't apologize because it's Just true. Stand, Alexander. Weehawken, dawn, guns drawn. You're on. I have the honor to be your obedient servant. A dot him. A dot bird. And those were just a little taste of what's to come at the end of this episode. <laughs> but. Before we get into that, you know, the musical 
is a great telling of Alexander Hamilton's story, but it's not 100% historically accurate. So, right here, I will go over some of the some of the like bits and pieces that Lynn Mel Miranda kind of changed around to for creative, you know, uh, poetic justice. Although Hamilton was based on historical events and people, Miranda did use some dramatic license in retelling the story. Here are the most prominent examples. In Aaron Burr, sir, Alexander Hamilton is depicted as having come to the United States in 1776 when he actually came in 1773. In the same song, Hamilton meets with John Lawrence, Hercules Mulligan, and Marquis de Lafayette shortly after arriving in New York. While it's true that Hamilton met Mulligan early during his time in New York, he only met Lawrence and Lafayette after becoming George Washington's aide-de-camp. In addition, Lafayette didn't come to the United States until after the war had started. Still in Aaron Burr, sir, Hamilton describes himself as an abolitionist. Hamilton generally opposed slavery, but he couldn't be described as an abolitionist. Despite once being the president of the New York Manumission Society, the fight against slavery wasn't considered a mission to him. His business dealings sometimes involved him in it. His father-in-law, Philip Styler, owned enslaved people as well as his friend, George Washington. In the song Stay Alive, Lawrence says that he and Hamilton wrote essays against slavery. Hamilton didn't write any essays against slavery. (laughs) While Angelica did have a strong relationship with Hamilton, it was exaggerated in the show. During Satisfied, Angelica explains why Hamilton is not suitable for her despite wanting him. In particular, she states, I'm a girl in a world in which my only job is to marry rich. My father has no sons. I'm the only one. I'm the one who has to social time for one. Now I kind of want to send that part. I'm a girl in a world in which my only job is to marry rich. My father has no son, so I'm the one who has the social climb for one. So I'm the oldest and the wittiest of the gossip in New York City is insidious. Now Xander is penniless. <laughs> Doesn't mean I want him any less. Yeah, uh, Renee Elise Dolesbury actually goes hard and satisfied. Like, there's the there's the whole rap part, which I, rem- I know from memory. So just you wait, just you wait. So, 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 so this is what it feels like to match with. So someone at your level, what the hell is the catch? It's the feeling of freedom of seeing the light. is Ben Franklin with a T and a tight. You see it, right? A conversation less than two minutes, maybe three minutes. Everything we said, a total the dream. And it's a dream and it's a bit of a dance, a bit of a posture. It's a bit of a stance. He's a bit of a flirt, but I'm going to give it a chance. Ask Buzz family. Did you see his answer? His hands started fidgeting. He worked the stance. His penniless is fine by the seat of his pants. Handsome boy, does he know it? Peach fuzz and he can't even grow it i want to take it far away from this place and i turn to see my sister's face and she is helpless sorry i just i had to um anyway get back to track in actuality angelica had less pressure on her to do this by 1780 philip styler already had 14 children including two sons who survived into adulthood one of whom was new york state assemblyman philip jeremiah styler Phillips, Philip Styler's fifth and last child, a daughter, was born in 1781. Angelica also eloped with John Barker Church three years before she met Hamilton at her sister's wedding, when she was already a mother of two of her eight children with Church. In addition, in Take a Break, Angelica mentions that Hamilton put a comma in the wrong place in a letter to her, writing, My dearest. In reality, it was Angelica who did that, Hamilton noticed and asked about it with seemingly a bit of flirtatious hope in his question. She knocked it down. Miranda stated that he conveniently forgot that for two reasons. Because it is stronger dramatically if Angelica is available but cannot marry him. And according to Hamilton's revolution, in service of a larger point, Hamilton or Angelica is a world-class intellect in a world that does not allow her to flex it. So that kind of goes back to the whole the old time thing of like women weren't uh, weren't respected in the slightest. Oh, sorry, I had to get some water. Oh, excuse me. In Act One, Aaron Burr's role in Hamilton's life is overstated, and much of the early interactions between the two men in the show are fictionalized. Miranda even explicitly notes that Aaron Burr sir, is a fictional first meeting between Hamilton and Burr in Hamilton the Revolution. 
For example, while Burr was president at the Battle of Monmouth, Burr did not serve as Charles Lee's second in his duel with John Lawrence, as seen in the Ten Duel Commandments. Lee's second was Evan Edwards. Hamilton also never invited Burr to his wedding, as seen in the story of tonight, and never approached Burr to help write the Federalist Papers as portrayed in nonstop in in Hamilton the Revolution, Miranda calls the scene another great what if. Historically, we know that Hamilton asked other people to contribute to the Federalist Papers. Madison and John Jay agreed, but Governor Morris declined. I extend that into this fictional scene, wherein Hamilton invites Burr to write the Federalist Papers. A Winter's Ball, the character in A Winter's Ball, the character of Aaron Burr says that. Martha Washington named her feral tomcat after Hamilton, to which Alexander Hamilton replies, that's true. In Hamilton the Revolution, Miranda clarifies that it is false. It is most, it is most likely a tale spread by John Adams later in life, but I like Hamilton owning it. At this point in the story, he is at peak cockiness. Hamilton researchers Michael E. Newton and Stefan Knott say that they have failed to find any evidence for the story. Newton notes that the sexual connotation of Tomcat as a womanizer did not exist in the 18th century. And in Act 2, there are multiple in there are multiple inaccuracies throughout Hamilton's decline, potentially due to time constraints and the show's narrative art. Narrative art. English, Cameron. English. Most prominently are the examples listed here. While it is true that John Adams and Hamilton did not particularly get along, an incoming president's ability is to choose his or her or their own cabinet or technically makes it impossible for John Adams to fire Hamilton as told in the show. Hamilton himself tendered his resignation from his position as Secretary of the Treasury on December 1st, 1794, two years before before Adams became president. However, Hamilton remained close friends with Washington and highly influential in the political sphere until publishing a pamphlet criticizing Adams during the election of 1800, an event referenced in the Adams administration. In regards to the creation and reception of the Reynolds pamphlet, Jefferson, Madison, and Burr did not approach Hamilton about his affair after John Adams became president. It was actually James Monroe, Frederick Mullenberg, and Abraham Venable in December 1792. Monroe was a close friend of Jefferson's and shared the information of Hamilton's affair with him. In summer 1797, journalist James T. Callender broke the story of Hamilton's infidelity. This is why the impact of the Reynolds pamphlet's publication is exaggerated in the show. Hamilton blamed Monroe, and the altercation nearly ended in a duel that Aaron Burr prevented, with nothing left to do. Hamilton then published the Reynolds pamphlet, which is interesting because if you go on Google, if you go on uh, the Comedy Central YouTube, they had a, they used to have a show called Drunk History, and they actually had Lin-Manuel Miranda on there, and he actually kind of goes through these. He actually retells some of the stories of Hamilton, especially the Reynolds pamphlet thing, and he actually you know says it with the historical accuracy. Which and it's also a very funny video because he's just he's wasted <laughs> during the whole thing. I mean that's the whole thing of drunk history. Basically, you have these actors. They had these actors on and they got them drunk and had them retell historical events. Ah, water. God, excuse me. Tater Break revolves around Angelica joining the Hamiltons in America for the summer and preceding this with a letter about it to Alexander himself. No such events took place in real life. In the same song, a nine-year-old Philip Philip Hamilton claims, I have a sister, but I want a little brother. Philip already had two of his five younger brothers when he was age nine, Alexander Hamilton Jr. and James Alexander Hamilton. Miranda jokingly notes in Hamilton the Revolution, and boy did he get little brothers, five of them actually, and two sisters. In Blow Us All Away, George Eaker and Philip engage in a battle before the events of the 1800 presidential presidential election. In said duel, the show has Eaker fire on Philip after seven paces. In reality, the duel occurred in 1801, 
with Philip Hamilton dying on November 24th. Furthermore, both men refused to fire for over a minute before Eaker shot Philip in the hips. Hmm. Can you imagine just standing there, waiting for one of you to shoot the other, and then just after a minute, just bang! In the election of 1800, Madison tells Jefferson that he won the election in a landslide. That's not true. The final vote count in the House of Representatives was 10 votes for Jefferson, 4 votes for Burr, and 2 blank ballots, meaning a division of 62.5% of the votes for Jefferson against 25% for Burr. Finally, it was not the presidential election of 1800 that led Burr led to Burr and Hamilton's duel. Burr did become Jefferson's vice president, but when Jefferson decided not to run with Burr for re-election in 1804, Burr opted to run for governor of New York instead. Burr lost to Morgan Lewis in a landslide. Afterward, a letter was published in the Albany Register from Charles D. Cooper to Philip Styler, claiming that Hamilton called Burr a dangerous man and one who ought not be trusted with the reins of government, and that he knew and that he knew of a still more despicable opinion which General Hamilton has expressed of Mr. Burr. This led to the letters between Burr and Hamilton as seen in your obedient servant. So yeah, there's all the uh, there's all the historical facts for you. Just basically, I would say total, the musical is probably about 90, maybe 85% accurate. I mean, obviously there's a lot of stuff that like and that's the thing it's not like he just like kind of wrote whatever he wanted it was like all right i know the actual history of this but i'm gonna write something else into the story so that it fits and that it's a good you know it works for the play and people enjoy it and obviously a lot of people really enjoy it uh is there any fun facts oh so so the one uh the one Oh, here it is. I was just going to mention it, but it's here on the Wikipedia. Following a performance uh, on November 18th, 2016, with Vice President-elect Mike Pence in the audience, Brandon Victor Dixon, who was uh, playing Alexander Hamilton at the time, addressed Pence from the stage with a statement jointly written by the cast, show creator Lin-Manuel Miranda, and producer Jeffrey Seller, Dixon began by quieting the audience and stated, Vice President-elect Pence, we welcome you and we truly thank you for joining us here at Hamilton in American Musical. We really do. We, sir, we are the diverse America who are alarmed and anxious that your new administration will not protect us, our planet, our children, our parents, or defend us and upload, uphold our inalienable, inalienable rights, sir. But we truly hope that this show has inspired you to uphold our American values and to work on behalf of all of us. All of us. Again, we truly thank you for we true we thank you we truly thank you truly for seeing this show, this wonderful American story told by a diverse group of men and women of different colors, creeds, and orientations. So yeah. Uh, Brandon Victor Dixon, who was playing Alexander Hamilton at the time, along with the rest of the cast, Lynn Melo Miranda and the producer, basically wrote this whole note to Mike Pence to be like, hey, you know, we thank you for coming to the show. Uh, we're kind of we're kind of scared that your administration is not going to, you know, fight for our rights, but we thank you for coming to the show. Pence listened to the expression of concern about President-elect Donald Trump's upcoming administration and later expressed that he was not offended. However, <laughs> Trump demanded an apology for what he described on Twitter as the cast having harassed Pence. This led to an online campaign called Hashtag Boycott Hamilton, which became widely mocked as the show was already sold out months in advance. Trump was criticized by the Washington Post who noted the division between white and non-white America in the 2016 presidential election and suggested Trump could have offered assurances that he would be a president for all Americans, that he would respect everybody regardless of race or gender or creed. Instead, as presidential historian Robert Dilek expressed, Trump's Twitter response was a 
striking act of divisiveness by an incoming president struggling to heal the nation after a bitter election, with the Hamilton test a proxy for those fearful of Trump's policies and rhetoric. Jeffrey Seller, the show's lead producer, said that white said that while Trump has not seen Hamilton or inquired about t- tickets, he's welcome to attend. So yeah, sum that up. Basically, Mike Pence went to see Hamilton, and the cast obviously. I mean, he was there's video. He was Mike Pence was booed as he was walking in, and as he was leaving, uh, the cast at the end of the show delivered that message to him, be like, hey, you know. We thank you for coming to the show. We're scared what your administration is going to do, but thank you for coming to the show. And Mike Pence was like, you know what? You know, I appreciate you getting your thoughts out there. And, you know, I'm not offended at all. We're going to see. However, Trump was like, you guys are very mean to Mike Pence. You guys are very mean. It's not very nice. Not very nice at all. Uh, You guys are harassing him. I don't want you. I don't want Hamilton on stage anymore. It's just it's like, shut the fuck up, man. Jesus Christ. You're, I mean, Mike Pence, of all people, wasn't offended. The guy who, you know, wanted to punish gay people for being gay, he wasn't offended at all. But Donald Trump, like, you guys harassed, you guys harassed my friend who I later threw under the bus. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's all I really want to go into. There's, like there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff I could go into, um, obviously with the uh, 2016 with the uh, Disney Plus version. Oh, actually, I'll go into that because there's actually a good thing right here on it. Several 2016 stage performances with the original principal cast in the Richard Rogers Theater were filmed by Radical Media and offered for bidding to major movie studios. On February 3rd, 2020, it was revealed that Walt Disney Studios had purchased the distribution rights for $75 million with an original theatrical release date on October 15th, 2021. Miranda later announced on May 12th, 2020, that in light of the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the film industry and the performing arts, which shut down the Broadway, West End, and touring productions, the film would be released early on Disney+. Plus on July 3rd, 2020, in time for 4th of July weekend. On February 10th, 2017, Miranda reassured that while a film would be made someday, it would not be made for years so that people have ample time to see the stage version first. On July 6th, 2020, after the release of the live film recording of the stage version on Disney+, Plus. Miranda stated, I don't love a lot of movie musicals based on shows because it's hard to stick the landing. I don't know what a cinematic version of Hamilton looks like. If I had, I'd have written it as a movie. So yeah, basically, they wanted to... Miranda wanted to make a Hamilton movie, but he's just like, yeah, I really don't know how I'm going to do it. And like they said with the Disney Plus one, they actually, you know, filmed a bunch of stuff for... Uh, for movie studios and in 2020 Walt Disney was like hey how about we get those rights huh and they were actually going to release they were actually going to release the one that's on Disney Plus in 2021 in October which obviously but with the whole you know COVID-19 pandemic and everybody's stuck in their homes Miranda was like hey let's just release this now so yeah in May 12th 2020 we got the and that's actually in a couple days, so I did. I got really good timing on this episode. But yeah, they released it in on May twelfth, twenty twenty, and it's just been a a lot of a lot of new faces, a lot of new people have been able to experience Hamilton now. And I think that's all I really got to go into on Hamilton. So. You know, let me know what you thought of this episode. That's yeah, that's gonna be it for this episode. <laughs> I should have said that first. Um, yeah, let me know what you think of this episode. You know, let me know what you think of Hamilton. All my social medias, you know, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all Super Game sixty four. There will be a link in the description for the Twitter for this podcast. There will also be a link in the description for uh, Devante's. You know, Mr. Devante Bell, 
you know, all of his stuff, you know, go to his Smeal page, go to his Apple Music page. He made some, he made some really good music, you know, just, you know, give him some love. That's cool. Also, in the description, I will also put, and this is kind of a shameless plug, I am going to put the link to my wife's hair, my wife's uh, hair Instagram, because she just started up and she's really proud of it and she really wants to get her work out there. So I'm going to put a link to my wife's hair Instagram in there because it's going to be, yeah, there's a lot to type in. So I'll just have you click on something to follow that. And yeah, that's all I got to say. And, you know, to end this episode, I am going to let you guys listen to one of my favorite duets that me and Mr. Bell have done, uh, our version of Dear Theodosia. So enjoy that, and I will see you guys on Wednesday. Thank you for listening. What to say to you You have my eyes You have your mother's name When you came into the world You cried And it broke my heart I'm dedicating every day to you Domestic life Was never quite my style When you smile. You knocked me out and fall apart And I thought I was so smart You will come of age with our young nation We'll bleed and fight for you We'll make it right for you If we lay a strong enough foundation We'll pass it on to you We'll give the world to you And you'll blow us all away Someday, someday all the way someday someday oh yeah oh Philip when you smile I am undone my son look at my son pride is not the word I'm looking for there is so much more inside me now you will shine the morning sun my son when you smile I fall apart and I thought I was so smart my father wasn't around I swear that I'll be around for you I'll do whatever it takes the world safe and sound for you We'll come of age with our young nation We'll bleed and fight for you We'll make it right for you If we lay a strong enough foundation We'll pass it on to you We'll give the world to you And you'll blow us all away Someday, someday Someday, someday. Thank you so much. God bless y'all. Stay safe. Bye. Have a beautiful time.